This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Man, well, as we rise this morning, let me welcome you to Easter Sunday here at Bethany Baptist Church. What a joy it is to see each and every one of you on this special celebration of Easter. Celebrating what? The fact that our Savior rose again. And because He is risen, we can celebrate today the fact that we too shall one day rise. We too have the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins, the assurance of salvation that have put our faith and trust in Him. Christ the Lord is risen today. Let's raise our voices. Let's sing again.
good morning. I know we're not shaking hands, but you can just say hello. We can point at somebody, say it's good to see you this morning at Bethany Baptist Church. Man, what a joy it is on this Easter Sunday to be uh, among God's people, uh, be among these bright colors, right? We all get uh, a little bit more bold on uh, Easter to wear these bright colors. Uh, but no, what a joy it is to see each and every one of you this morning at Bethany Baptist Church. Whether you're here with us live in person, tuning in through the live stream this morning, we're so glad that you're a part of this service, and we're so glad that you decided to celebrate the Lord's resurrection on this Easter Sunday with us. Would you be so kind? Let's go ahead and have a seat at this moment. And uh, we are so glad here as a church that uh, we are able to participate in so many ways. And though uh, this Sunday uh, we're not doing a, a physical offering, hand around the plate, uh, we do uh, encourage you, if uh, you are a member, a faithful member, and, and a tither of the church, to go ahead and do that weekly or monthly as uh, the Lord leads you. And you can do that through the app. You can do that through text to give. You can do that online, so many different ways. But uh, during this next segment, as we hear a special instrumental from uh, Sister Thelma, uh, we're going to have an uh, opportunity to just focus on the cross, focus on what Jesus means uh, to us on this Resurrection Sunday. And if you have the opportunity, you want to give during this time, this is kind of an offertory type of instrumental as well. And so we'll give a time for all of that to take place during these next few moments. So, um, uh, Sister Thelma.
Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning as the worship team comes back up and gets their places? We're going to worship the fact that uh, there was once a lamb. There was a lamb that was willing to become the lamb of God, became the lamb of God. You know, those Old Testament um, uh, followers of Christ would go to the temple, the Jewish people would go, and they, once a year would sacrifice that lamb to forgive uh, um, the uh, sins of that year. Jesus would later on come to say that that was a bigger, it was a bigger because it was never enough. The blood of the lamb was never enough truly to forgive the sins and therefore even bigger than they had to do it yearly. There was once 2,000 years ago when the lamb of God came and he came to die on a cross. And we celebrate the gospel today, the full gospel, right? His birth, his death, and his resurrection. And so we celebrate the lamb of God this morning. Let's lift our voices and sing the lamb of God. Time left for him, but we 
praise God because because of that Lamb of God, we know where He will one day soon be and where we will all one day be because of that sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And uh, this next song speaks about the man of sorrows. And uh, this is a wonderful song that speaks of what this true celebration of Easter is all about. So uh, if you would, the worship team's going to sing. You can join along with us. It's a brand new song for you guys. And, uh, but uh, the words will be up there. Feel free to join in and just learn the melody.
give a round of applause to the worship team. I know they did a good job, but we're working so hard. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Brother Josue and the orchestra. Everybody did a fantastic job as we worshiped our Savior this morning. Well, just two more things before we get to the message this morning. Uh, we're going to watch a video called He's Alive. And then after that, uh, uh, Sister Linda will come up and uh, share with us a special that the Lord laid on her heart as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body, they saw the angel sitting there. And they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. was a wretch, I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way across the great divide. You left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And 
my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. There's something about Easter Sunday that's just different from every other Sunday, isn't there? Um, I love being in God's house on Sunday morning. I say it every week. There's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than in God's house. But Easter Sunday morning is just something special. There's something different about this Sunday morning when you celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the victory over death, the beginning of new life. There's just something different about it, and I don't know how to explain it, but I'm sure you're like me, you can feel it. Every week we're in this building, every week we sing songs, every week we hear from God's Word, but Easter Sunday is just different. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning, I'm so glad that you've taken time on an Easter Sunday to pause and reflect on what we celebrate today, which is the resurrection the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke chapter number 24, and let's dive in into the Word of God. And there's something about reading the Word of God that's also comforting, encouraging. There's just something about the Bible that is just different from every other book you read. Uh, this morning, with my, uh, with my two boys, we re read the, uh, the Berenstain Bears uh, Easter story. I don't know if anyone has seen that book, and, uh, but it's a, it's a cute book that just talks a little bit about the Easter story, and, uh, and we read it. We had some questions at the end, what's Easter all about, and who died on the cross, and uh, what happened on the third day, and it was, a, it was a fun book to read, but it just doesn't compare to the Bible. <laughs> There's just something about God's Word that is that much more precious, and so this morning, let's go ahead and read in Luke chapter 24. We'll start in verse number 1 and go down to verse number 12, and then jump into the message this morning. It says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher and stooping down, he beheld the linen Clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. 
Let's pray as we get started. Father, this morning we come before you thankful. Thankful that we serve a risen Savior. Thankful, Father, that death could not hold you. That there is no more sting of death this morning for us because there is hope in Jesus Christ. And the fear that death may bring to our lives is vanished and done away with when we think about the new life in Christ. Father, we celebrate today the message that the angels told the women that day. He is not here, he is risen. Father, I pray that as we study your word that you would fill me with your spirit first of all. As I share the message you've laid on my heart, that it would be a message that would encourage us, a message that would challenge us, a message that would comfort us. But then, Father, I pray not only that you would fill me with your spirit, but help me to communicate this message. Help me to say the words that you would have me to say and to share, and that our hearts would be receptive to you. Because, Father, we have come to this place not to hear from me, but to hear from you. So I pray that you would speak to our hearts even this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the greatest events in history always leave us with the greatest stories to tell. Have you ever found that to be true? The greatest events in history always give you the greatest stories. When you think about World War II, and I can't believe it's been more than 70 years now since that war has come and gone, but even to this day, you'll find different documentaries telling the different stories about what happened in that war. One of the most famous is one by author Stephen Ambrose called Band of Brothers, and it follows the Easy Company, as that was the company there of the uh, Army Rangers that really went and uh, got into the Eagle's Nest where Hitler was bunkering at, and it kind of follows their story, but that's not the only story of World War II. You, you can talk about the, uh, the Pacific Theater and the battles that were won there on the Midway and, and uh, many other battles there, and all of these stories come together and, and give us a greater appreciation of the events that happened in World War II. And it just seems like not only with World War, World War II, but with any event that has happened in history, the greatest events always give us the greatest stories. And these stories have a way of challenging us. They have a way of encouraging us. They have a way of teaching us. I remember uh, a member of our church um, a couple decades now back, he joined the Marines, and, and I remember him telling me when he came back that when they were in boot camp, uh, they would, of course, do all of these drills that would get them prepared to go to war. In case the need arises, uh, these soldiers that are in the Army and the Marines and the Navy, they, they're training every day for any kind of threat that may uh, attack or arise against our country, and, and they're ready to go to war. And he was telling me that his drill sergeant, every morning when they would get ready to go, and, and they were there in California in Camp Pendleton, when they were going to get ready to start doing their drills for the day, he said his drill sergeant always had a story. He had seen combat before, and, and he had been in, in various battles, and, and every time he would begin to, to tell them, right before they would do the drill, he would tell them about something that happened to him in battle. 
And then he would explain how his training helped him to overcome and to survive in those battles. And then he would tell them how the drill that they were about to do was so important. Why they had to get it right. Why they had to take it serious because war was serious. And he said every day, Jeremy, every day he would have a new story for us. And he said, and at the end of that story, whatever it was that he was telling, he would connect it with the drill that we were about to do. And you were just, as a soldier, you were ready. You were like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get this right. I'm ready to push myself to the limit. I'm ready to get prepared for anything. And stories have that effect on us. So what happens when you tell the story of the greatest event in history? Because you see, the story that we're going to study this morning is the greatest event in history. There's nothing that compares to the story that we read in Luke chapter 24. There's no other event in history that can ever be greater than the event that we'll study this morning. World War II, World War I, nothing compares to the event that we read about in the gospel of Luke. The event that we know as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this morning as Luke begins to tell the story, he begins with a sunrise mission. He begins with a sunrise mission. He says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, he's already talking about this story as people are already set in motion, going to the tomb where Jesus was buried. Uh, there was a group of women who loved Jesus and wanted to anoint his body. Later on there, Luke identifies these women as Mary Magdalene and Joanna and, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them. And they're, they're going to the tomb, and they're there because Jesus, their friend, Jesus, their Savior, Jesus, the man that they followed, the man that they loved so dearly, had died. In fact, it had been already two days, and this was the third day. The day prior was the Sabbath day, and in their culture, in the Jewish culture on the Sabbath, you weren't to go anywhere, you weren't to do anything. You were to take the whole day and just simply meditate on who God is. You were to take that day to just rest and, and get yourself renewed for the new week. And so that day on Saturday, I could just imagine that these women were sitting there probably still a little bit stunned of the events of the weekend. It happened so fast on that Friday as Jesus was taken in, taken to court, falsely accused, condemned, and suddenly crucified all in one day. I'm sure they were still trying to wrap their head around it. And after a whole day on Saturday of just thinking about what had happened, I'm sure they, they had come together and said, you know, we need to go and anoint his body. We, we need to go and take care of him. The one that we love, the one that is there in the tomb. And Luke picks up the story right there and he says they were already on their way to the tomb. They were there to go and take care of the body of Jesus. It was a decision that they were going to go early. Before the sun was even up, they were just going to get there in time to, to spend that day there anointing the body of Jesus. I marvel at that in the story. I marvel at the fact that they had the courage to go. You see, the 
Scriptures isn't clear to us, but we know that guards had been set. Roman guards had been set to guard the tomb of Jesus. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say the women knew that or not. They did know that there was a stone that had been placed on the doorway uh, to cover the tomb of Jesus, but they didn't know if there was guards there or not. I would assume that they probably did. And as they're going, you can read the story in Matthew. Matthew says that they were talking as they were going, thinking, I know there's a big stone there. What, what are we going to do to move it? And, and there's probably going to be guards there. I heard somebody told, uh, that, told us that there's going to be guards there. I, I don't know, Mary. What do you think? What, what should we do? And, and the courage of these women to say, well, let's just go. We'll figure it out when we get there. Maybe we can talk to them. Maybe, maybe somebody will be there visiting someone else and they can maybe move the stone for us. But listen, we got to go and anoint the body of Jesus. This is going to be the third day. The rigor morris is going to set in. His body is going to begin to, to decay. And, and we ought to do our very best to just take care of it. Let's just go. And I marvel at the courage of these women to go and do that. What an amazing women they were. I know sometimes we like to talk about the bravery of men, and there's plenty of stories to, to maybe describe that, but I'd like to just take a moment to think about these women. In a society when women were not held very highly, when what they were to do wasn't really taken seriously by many in their culture and in their society, here these women are courageous and ready to go. You said, where were the men? Where were those disciples that were, that were with him for the last three and a half years? Where were those that were, were with him in the Garden of Eden? Where, where were those men? They were hiding, the Bible says. They were in their place at home. But not these women. These women, courageous as they were, decided on that Sunday morning to say, I'm... I'm going to go to the tomb. Will you go with me? Yeah, let's go. And they got a band of them to go and anoint the body of Jesus. Saying, whatever it is we face, we'll face, but let's go. Man, I pray that there would be some people like that still. I pray that there's still Christians today that have the courage to say, let's go to Jesus. I know we were just remembering a year ago. And the fear that came over our country. And listen, if you weren't afraid, I, then you, you weren't paying attention. It's a fearful situation. And yet in all of that fear to be able to just go to Jesus, man, th there's some courage there. I pray that we haven't lost that courage to just move forward with Jesus. And the, the difficult times of life to just say, but I'm going to go with Jesus. These women decided... In that moment, very early to go and see and anoint the body of Jesus. I think about their courage, but I also think about the commitment. I love the fact that Luke, who was a doctor, he was a medical doctor, and if you know anybody that's into science, you know they're always into detail, right? Science is a very detailed kind of work. You've got to know every little thing, and uh, that, that, that's why there's so few that become doctors. It's just a lot of work, a lot of schooling. And Luke was that kind of man, and he goes into a lot of details much in his writing. In fact, he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. They're the two largest books in the whole New Testament. 
He wrote more than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote more books of the Bible, but not in length. Luke wrote more than anybody else, and you would expect that, I guess, from a doctor. And I love the fact that he, he writes there very early in the morning. The commitment of this woman uh, to, to not put it off till later in the afternoon. To not just say, well, I mean, there'll be more light in the afternoon. Maybe the soldiers will be gone by then. I, I don't know. Let, let's just wait till a more convenient time. These women very early in the morning said, hey, let's go. Let, let's go. As soon as there's first light, let's go. That, listen, we can take advantage of the whole day. And we can do whatever is necessary. We can, we can decorate or do, do whatever we need to do. But let's just get there early. And spend some time there with the body of Jesus. I think about the commitment that just says, man, this is going to be a priority for us. In fact, in John chapter 20, the apostle John writes that on the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. They left their house when it was still dark. It was that much of a priority. I think about us this morning, many of us in our job requires us to get there early. If you have to be at work by 7 or 8 in the morning, that means you're getting up before dark, before light, I should say, when it's still dark. And the reason you do that is because your job is important. If you don't get to work on time, if you don't get your work going uh, for the next eight hours, you're not going to get a paycheck, you're not going to be able to eat, you're not going to be able to pay your bills, and, and so you, you make the effort and you make it a priority. And I think about these women, courageous to go. I don't know how we're going to move the stone, I don't know what we're going to confront there, but let's just go. And let's not wait till the afternoon, let's not wait till another day, let's just do it very early, the first chance we get. And you see the sunrise mission of this story as they go to the tomb of Jesus Christ. But then Luke shares with us a shocking discovery. He tells us that they got there and it was not what they were expecting. I can just imagine, I, can you imagine with these women as they get there and as they're walking up to the tomb and they're looking and they're going, yeah, no, that's the one, that's the tomb. But the stone, it's been moved. What happened? I can imagine as you're walking up and the sun's just coming up, there's probably shadows still there in the tomb, and they're thinking, what happened? Someone's been here. Maybe someone took his body. In fact, Mary Magdalene didn't even stay to find out. She turned around and went back to go tell Peter and John, they take his body. They took his body. The stones rolled away. I don't know. I'm sure they were asking Mary, what do you mean? Did you go in there? No, no, I didn't go in there, but the stone has moved, and I don't know what's going on. The other women, brave enough to, to go into the tomb, and, and they have this shocking discovery. First, that the stone is rolled away. That's got to be a little bit uh, frightening. There was... There was that one thing that kept everybody out. The, the one thing that was going to keep the body secure. And in those day, that day and age, it was pretty common to have grave robbers in cemeteries. Uh, today, that's not quite so common. We bury them six feet under, so 
If you want to steal a, a body, you've got to dig six feet down just to get a body. That doesn't happen a whole lot today. But in that day and age, it was something that was pretty common. And first thing I'm sure they were thinking was, yeah, he's, somebody's, somebody's stolen. The stone is rolled away. There's only one conclusion. Somebody wanted to get in. Somebody wanted to get the body of Jesus. It was the only body in there. I mean, what's going on? They saw this discovery of the stone no longer being there. No longer an impediment to go in and see Jesus. You know what I like about this great story is the greater truth of that. That stone was to keep people from coming to Jesus, but now that stone is rolled away. Man, there's a great truth about the stone being rolled away, and the message this morning isn't about that, but, but you can just think about what that means and what that meant for them. That stone had now been rolled away, and now anyone could come and see if the body of Jesus was there. In fact, in Matthew, Matthew said that an angel told the, 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 the women, hey, uh, come and see. Man, I love the fact that when you get to the tomb of Jesus, the stone has been rolled away. There's nothing that stops that access now to Jesus. And in a spiritual sense, can I say that sin was a stone that stopped our access to God. But now, because of the death and because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is what Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's no stone anymore. Jesus, when he resurrected, brought peace and access to God because the stone has been rolled away. What a shocking discovery for these women on that day to know there's access to him. Can I say this morning, you can have access to Jesus. He says, come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The stone has been rolled away. The author in Hebrews says, now we can come before the throne of grace in the time of need. Why? Because the stone has been rolled away this morning. We see a shocking discovery that Luke says about the stone being rolled away. But then notice his detail. He says there in verse number two, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now the body was gone. The stone was rolled away, but now the body was gone. Now just pause here for a second. You're thinking, now what happened? The stone has been rolled away. Now they're walking in, and there's no body. The clothes are there. Man, if someone was going to steal his body, they wouldn't just leave the clothes wrapped. That face covering that he had was folded neatly. Where his head was. Grave robbers didn't do that. The Bible says they were much perplexed thinking about what exactly has happened. How is it then that the body has been taken but the clothes are here? I can imagine their reaction was a little bit of confusion. It was probably something that they didn't know how to make sense of. 
In fact, when I was researching this this week, I, I did find an article, and it happened June 19, 2007, in the city of Chicago. There was a funeral home that literally lost a body. And they had made the news somehow, and they were asking the family, the, the funeral was going to be on a Wednesday, and it was like on a Sunday that the body was supposed to be there. They went to go see. The family went to go and, and see the body, and the funeral home said, well, we never got it. And then they went to the hospital, and it wasn't there. And apparently, they had taken it to the wrong place, but they were, the reporter was asking the family their reaction to it, and they said, it's horrific. This is unacceptable. We want, to, we, we want to remember our loved one. We want to see their body and it's gone. I can imagine these women were going, what? What is happening? We know that Mary Magdalene had already taken off. She's going to tell Peter and John. And the other women are just sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this and... What do we say about this? And suddenly, two men appear. Clothed in white garments with a message. And I think it's amazing. It's amazing. As Luke is telling this story, he says, listen, after that sunrise mission, there was this shocking discovery. The story takes a twist. The body of Jesus is no longer there. And then comes a sure explanation. As they're there trying to make sense of what is happening, these two men appear. And it's interesting that Luke says there was two men. All the other gospels only mention one, but Luke says that there was two. And I believe literally there was two. The other ones only mention one because only one of them spoke. But it's interesting, why would... Luke, write about two. He's the only one of the four Gospels that talks about two people being there. Well, Luke was a doctor, as I said, and he was very detailed. And when there was two witnesses, and there was an acceptable witness when something happened. In fact, if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse number 15, it's there in your notes. It says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity. Or for any sin, and any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, shall the matter be established. It was important for Luke to just establish some evidence here. Listen, he had not been robbed. The body of Jesus wasn't taken by someone. They said, he is alive, he is risen. There's two of us to corroborate the story. It's a sure explanation. Luke is just trying to provide some evidence today to those that would be reading his story that this is a reality that happened. This isn't just a fairy tale. This isn't just something that someone has made up. It wasn't that his disciples came together and, and, and thought up of this, this good lie to tell people so that the legend could live on. No. Now listen, people don't die for a lie that they know is a lie. No, here Luke says in the mouth of two witnesses, suddenly they're there, these two angels, and they're telling these women, listen, let me ask you something. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? <laughs> what is it that you're, you're confused about? And he gives them a cheerful word. I love that. 
I love that the angels, when they gave the message of what happened to the body of Jesus, they used the words of Jesus. They reminded them of what Jesus himself had said. You see, the words of Jesus are not idle words. They're not meaningless words. They're not careless words. They're words of life. In fact, Peter told Jesus at one time in John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. How do you explain the body being gone? The two witnesses says, remember what Jesus said? Listen, he's not here. He's risen again. Do you remember what he said? Oh, and then gave those, those cheerful words. In verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And then the third day, rise again. The women just needed to remember what Jesus had said. They needed to remember that the cross was necessary for our sin. And let me just say this morning, if it wasn't for the cross, there is no life, new life for you and me. You see, our sin requires the penalty of death. And every one of us in here will die because of sin in our world and sin in our lives. But there's a way to defeat that. He said, oh, is it coming to church a lot? No. Is it by doing good works? No. It's by what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. When he gave his life, he gave his life for you and for me. The penalty of sin is death, and that's why we would have to pay for our sin. But praise be to God that we don't have to pay for that sin. Jesus went to the cross, and all the angels do is just remind them. Remember what Jesus said? He must be delivered. He had to pay that price. He had to give his life. But he did say on the third day, he will rise again. I love the fact that they didn't remind them of, you remember, hey, Mary, you were there. Don't you remember what Jesus did for Lazarus when he did those miracles? Don't you remember what he did with the daughter of Jairus when he brought her back to life? They didn't have to go to what actions and the miracles of the past. They just went to the words that Jesus said. Man, I love that hymn that says, Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Let them more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. When you think about the explanation of an empty tomb, think about what Jesus said. I must give my life. No man taketh my life. I lay it down. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus said, I give my life for you. So that all that call upon him might be forgiven. All that come to him might be saved. So those that call upon the name of the Lord, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Jesus said, just remember my word. I mean, the angel said, remember Jesus' words. Wonderful words. 
going through a difficult time, going through a confusing time, remember the words of Jesus. John mentioned it earlier in the service, but as, as you think about a man of God that, was, that is passing from this life to the next, as Brother Moreno is, I visited him just a couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half now ago. And we just kind of talked. He didn't really and wasn't able to say really anything other than mouthing the word thank you. But we read Psalm chapter 90 and Psalm chapter 91. And speaking with his children, they were saying, it's amazing the peace that God gives, even the people that were taking care of him right now, they have hospice taking care of him. They said, it's just amazing the peace that he has. Fighting pancreatic cancer, the pain that comes with that, yet he's not complaining of pain. Well, what are they giving him, morphine? No. Just the words. There's something amazing about the words of Jesus. And as we think about this day, on Easter Sunday, as those women go in, the only explanation is the words of Jesus. We see a sunrise mission and a shocking discovery in this story. We find a sure explanation, but let me just say, as Luke then gives us a shared joy. In verse number 8, it says, and they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all of the rest. Luke ends this part of the story by telling us what happened after they heard what truly occurred. He says that they didn't just go quietly back home. They didn't have a discussion to say, well, you think that that's what happened? You think that that's what happened to Jesus' body? I, I don't know. What do you think? They didn't have a discussion there of what they might have think that happened. No, no, no. They believed the words. They remembered the words. That word remember, it's the same word that the thief on the cross said. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And they, they believed by faith the words of Jesus. And suddenly, they're not just sitting there in the tomb. Now, they went directly from there and they told others the message that they had heard without stopping for food, without just strolling back to their houses, they went directly to go and tell others what they had seen and what they had heard. It was a message that required urgency, speed. Let's get there as soon as possible. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. It says, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher. They ran, they did ring, uh, run to bring his disciples' word. And they went to tell that message. Listen, they were overjoyed with that. I think it's interesting to note, in verse number 11, it says, And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher. I love the fact that they went to tell the 11 disciples, and they went and told Peter. And Luke is pretty specific about that. It was to the 11 disciples first. You say, what does that mean? It means they went to tell those closest to them first. 
They weren't just going to put it off for another day. They wanted those that knew Jesus. They wanted those that they knew close to them to hear the message that he was no longer there, that he had risen again. It made me think this morning. There's somebody that you know that's close to you that needs to hear that message. I wonder, have you told him? You might have a, an uncle or a cousin or, your, or a loved one or a neighbor or someone at work that you see every day. They're waiting for a message. They're waiting to hear that there is a Savior and He is alive, alive forevermore. And I wonder, are you going to them to tell them that message? These brave, godly, courageous women, as, as soon as they heard he is alive. Remember his words. They took those words to the eleven and to others also, it says. Two of the disciples that were going to a city in a, in a mouse, they heard what the women had to say. I mean, they started spreading that quickly. Just to tell others, this is what Jesus said. And that's what's happened. This morning... We're celebrating the greatest event in the history of the world. And in this celebration story, so much to be learned. It teaches us so much. It challenges us in many ways. So we've got to ask ourselves as we read this story, how we are celebrating the fact that he is alive. Are we celebrating with joy? Are we celebrating with courage? Are we celebrating taking that message to others? Or is it a is it something that we just kind of keep into ourselves? Something that we don't want to share with those closest to us. You see, this story today, it's a story of new life. And this morning. It may be that you are here. God is bringing to your mind someone that you need to tell. Something, someone that you need to be courageous and go to. And commit yourself to. I wonder, will you learn the lesson from that story today? Will this be something new in your life that you'll move forward saying, this is the message I need to share? Lots of lessons. Let me give you three real quick. They're not on the PowerPoint, but you can write them down. Number one, a lesson to be learned on this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, number one, be committed to Jesus. We see these women courageous and committed. Listen, let not fear overcome you. Jesus told his disciples to not be troubled, to not be fearful. You're not alone. I'm with you. Be committed to Jesus. Number two, be convinced of Jesus. The angel said, don't you remember the words? That on the third day he was going to rise again. Remember what Jesus said? Remember what Jesus taught? Remember who Jesus is. 
Can I say this morning, if you're here and you've never made a decision of Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, can I tell you, he wants to be your savior. He died on that cross for you. He rose again to give you new life. In fact, John said it this way. The apostle John said, because he lives, we too shall live. His resurrection doesn't just mean new life for him. It means new life for you and for me. The stone has been rolled away. We have access to God. And he's waiting for you to come. Come unto me, he said. Let me give you a third lesson quickly. Be communicating Jesus to others. You say, but, but pastor, what if I, if I try and they don't listen? Hey, listen, don't get discouraged. When the women tried to the 11 that knew Jesus best and to others that knew Jesus, they didn't believe them either. You read verses 9, really 10, 11, and 12, Peter, Peter heard, and he said, huh? No, 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 no. And he goes to the tomb, and he looks in, and he sees what they saw. And then he leaves the tomb, and he said, I, 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 I don't know how to, I don't know if I can believe that. His first reaction was, it sounded like idle tells, like it was just story, like fiction, like, what are you women talking about? Listen, don't be discouraged if the first time you share the message, that person doesn't just respond in faith. But give the message anyway. Communicate what God's word says. Listen, your neighbor may not come the first time you invite him to come to church. Invite him again. They might not think that what you share with them in the Bible is something life-changing and transforming. Just share it with them anyway. Communicate that message. You see, it wasn't long after that that Peter saw Jesus. It wasn't long after that that the 11 saw Jesus. It wasn't long after that that over 500 people saw Jesus. The message that they gave was confirmed. Listen, I don't know what message you're giving, but the message of Jesus, it will be confirmed. Just keep giving the message. Simple, simple lessons this morning of what the resurrection of Jesus teaches us in this story. I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, let's be committed. Let's be convinced of who Jesus says he is alive today. Let's communicate his message this week. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and grace. We thank you, Father, because you are alive. And what we celebrate today, Father, what a wonderful, beautiful truth that you are alive. That death could not hold you. The grave could not contain you. That the stone has been rolled away. Oh, Father, I pray there be anyone here in this place that has yet to trust in you that they would make that decision today. If there's anyone that's watching through the live stream, they have yet to ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins and to be their Savior. They have yet to believe the words of Jesus that he is alive and he is risen again. And he offers eternal life to those that believe. I pray that today they would believe. 
I pray that today they would make a prayer, a simple prayer like this one saying, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that he is the only one that can forgive me and I ask him to forgive me. Be my savior. Oh, Father, I, I pray that those that have said that prayer would realize the power, the life-changing power of Jesus in their life. And Father, for those that have made that decision this morning, I pray that we would take that message. We would be bold. That we would see the urgency in the days in which we live to share that message. And that others might hear that Jesus is risen again. Work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.